You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I've been preaching this series of messages. This is message number 12. And I hope it's a help to you. It's really helped me. I'm amazed how many prayers there are in the Bible. And literally we could go for the entire decade, uh, entire, entire year, but just prayer after prayer after prayer. And it's helped me so very much personally. I hope this will help you today. I would like to read with you chapter one, verse four through verse 10. Chapter one, 1 Samuel, verse four through verse 10. Let's read verse four, ready, begin. And when the time was, he gave to Benaiah his wife and all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah, Father, what a wonderful sound to hear your people reading the scriptures, the Holy Bible. And I pray that you'd allow me to help the people of God. Like God, with this truth, you've helped me today. We think of this broken-hearted woman. As a pastor, I deal with so many broken-hearted people. I pray that we learn something from the Word of God today that help us in the dark moments of our life when we pass through the valleys and the difficult moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I want to challenge all of us today. Do the right thing when your heart is broken. Why is it that so often when our heart is broken we do just the opposite? The mate walks out of our life the husband or the wife. And if we're not careful, we quit church. And that's a case of the stupids. Why would you compound the problem? Lord, I need you as just was sung. And we need them all the time in the sunshine hour, but we need them in the dark moments of life. And your husband walks out and you don't feel like going to church, you don't feel like singing, and you don't feel like reading your Bible, and those moments come. That's when you need to get yourself to God's house. That's when we need the Bible. That's when we need prayer. That's when we need the fellowship of God's people. When a son or your daughter does wrong, they become a prodigal. 
and they're in the juvie hall or they're in a jail and we feel embarrassed and we feel, how can I get back to church? Well, we need to go to church. Do the right thing when brokenhearted. When your parents do wrong. When your parents do wrong. You don't pastor the same church as long as we have here without watching parents do wrong and parents quit or parents sin or parents wind up in jail or parents divorce or parents whatever it is. And when parents do wrong, you children, teenagers must do right. We're dealing with our Sunday school class for a three-part lesson. We're dealing with the home, but right now we've been in when you're, when, when you're from a dysfunctional home and when dad is absent, either is in the home or has left the home. We've had two incredible testimonies of two men the last two weeks and one today where dad was an alcoholic, an abusive daily alcoholic and by age, this child, this young man was, Brother Manuel was age of five when mother said, I can't take it. And she left and he was left in that home. And abuse continued for an entire life. Now, friend, it's awful. I could, I, I, I guarantee it, I would not have made, I would have been a wipeout. We had two men give tremendous testimonies out that you, not only you're responsible, but you've got to have someone guide you into right. And you have a man of God, by the grace of God, I trust I him, preaching to us the word of God in a moment today. You must do right when others do wrong, when you do wrong, when I do wrong. We must do right when our health breaks. When our health breaks. I was visiting Brother Manuel Maria briefly this morning and I pastored them for decades and now the cancer's there and the chemo's there and the tests are there. Somehow they find themselves in their spot in the house of God through all this adversity and not less but more. I see a sweet girl over here whose young husband passed away this year suddenly, two little elementary kids. Somehow, I think about her every day. My wife, we pray for her. Somehow she's continued to try to do right. Working a full-time job, raising two kids, having her kids at the house of God. I thank God for people when I watch them in life, when everything is caving in around them, though their heart is broken, they might be crying and it might be the midnight hour and they're alone in life or whatever the case is, they're trying to do right. They try to do right. And here's a lady whose heart was broken and the Bible said it, you read it, it was year after year, verse seven, year after year after year, she went to the house of God and nothing happened. And yet she did right. God shut up her womb. You know, it was a shame for a Hebrew woman not to have a child. And it's not a shame if you're here today, you don't have a child. That's not that God hates you. But, but God, for some reason, has not allowed you to have a child. That's, that's God's choosing, and, and we have to work with that. I understand all that. But for the Jewish custom, it was a blemish. Isaiah chapter 3, the Bible says in the tribulation time that seven women will take hold of one man because there'll be such awful bloodshed. 
and men's, men will be taken their lives on the battlefield and in judgment, the hand of God as well. And seven women will take hold of one man and say, we will wear our own apparel. We will provide our own provisions. Only give us thou thy name that we be no more a reproach. They said, we don't, we don't, we don't want what you to have to pay for us and provide our food or provide our clothes or give us direction. We, we just want your name so we're not a reproach. It is not a reproach to not have children. Some of you don't have children. But for these Jewish women, it was a very sad thing. And she was going through an adversity. I want you to see what she did in that adversity, her prayer when she was broken. When she was broken. We have a choice. I'm going to get bitter through my brokenness. I'm going to get better. I'm going to hurt those around me or I'll help those around me. It's a decision I must make. I'm going to become an abuser and hurt and and, and attack verbally or physically. I'm going to be one that assists people on the pathway of life and bring them closer to God. What did she do? Well, several things. I find in verse 6 she was attacked. Her adversary provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. God did this. God said, it's not the right timing. It's not what I'm going to have for you. And she was attacked and maligned. And yet, in the midst of all that, we're going to find out what she did. What she do, verse 7. And she did, year by year, she went to the house of the Lord. She kept going. And this adversary provoked her. Therefore, two words. Would you say it together, church? Ready? She what? She wept. She wept. And notice what else? She did not eat. She was attacked. She wept. She would not eat. She came to a point where she was all in, 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 uh, obsessed with this, the hurt, the sorrow. It was ever before. She couldn't get rid of it. Perhaps there's something like that in your life today. In your life, it keeps you awake. All of us have experienced that. You're looking at a man who, and it's going to sound proud, but stay with me, is a man who has great faith. I have great faith in God. I believe God can do anything. I truly believe what I just said, that God could sweep over Congress. I truly believe what I just said, that God could sweep over the Senate. I believe that. I believe it can happen. We've had dark days in America's history. We've had many events take place. It was 100 years ago today, World War I, they signed the treaty. Millions died. We had World War II. We've had poor presidents, God-hating presidents, and we've had good presidents. We've had good senators. We've had bad senators. We've had good governors. We've had bad governors. And yet when America... Back in the late 1700s, needed a revival. God sent a revival. And then the great awakening, the second revival came. God did something. 
People were holding on to the pillars of the church out front on that East Coast especially, and when a, a great man of God preached, sinners in the hands of a mighty God, they'd hold on those pillars. The old camp meetings in Billy Sunday would over one million people walk the sawdust trail getting saved before the days of microphones. D.L. Moody, Spurgeon, the great men of God that shook both continents for God. God could do something. When in the 50s we had some socialists running for uh, government offices, national government, God shut that down. When the communists, we had the Cold War, and I can remember in our school, they'd put us under our desk, and about every couple of weeks we'd practice, get under the desk when you hear the air raid, air raid, raid sirens, and, 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 and if there's gonna be an attack on the Russians, here's how you protect yourself. As an elementary kid, I can remember that. Oh, we had dark days where the economy, I can remember when interest rates back in 19, late 70s, went up to over 23%. And I can remember when we had our buses in the late 70s and the oil crunch, and we had to line those buses up at gas stations on Monday morning and try to get gasoline for our buses because the fuel was scarce. And then we bought a couple of police German shepherd dogs and put them in the bus lot to protect the gasoline all week long. Oh, I tell you what, yes, there's always been adversity in America, but I'm a man, of, I believe God, I, I have great faith, I know that. But normally when a man has great faith, there's times he has great fear too. Some of the preachers that come here through the years, I can think of names right now. They're the funniest, they're the happiest, they're, they're just all wired up, they're all fired up, and they'll tell you, I go through deep moments in my life where I feel so hopeless. But that guy is, I, I know. Oh, I have great faith. But there are times that fear comes in and I can't sleep. And that generally is not so much that God is waking me up to pray. I'm waking myself up to worry. Don't look at me like that. You've been there, haven't you? And this woman was fretting. She was weeping. She couldn't eat, verse 10. She had bitterness of soul, and she was in bitterness of soul. Doesn't say her family was, says she was. She was in great sorrow, verse number 16. Notice what she said. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, grief, she had grief in her heart. Perhaps today it's grief or you're weeping or bitterness of soul or sorrow. Verse 15, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. A woman of a sorrowful spirit. Well, what do you do when you're weeping? What do you do when you can't eat? What do you do when you're bitterness of soul? What do you do when you're being attacked by someone that's causing you to fret? What do you do? One, you pray. You pray. Notice what she did in her prayer. Chapter 1, verse 10. And in bitterness of soul, when she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord. She prayed unto God. Look at verse number 12. And it came to pass as she continued, continued praying. Her prayer was not, now God, give me a child. Amen. She continued in this. 
And not only did she continue there at the house of God, she continued, the Bible says, year after year after year she prayed. Sometimes you just keep on praying till light breaks through. Paul prayed for something three times. He had a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed three times. He said, I believe, God, you want me to have this thorn in the flesh. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I've told you so many times how I prayed for 31 years that God would give us a 15-minute radio program. And in one day, but it took 30, 31 years without making a phone call, we have probably over 100 stations now. But that first day that we put it on, it was probably the, the, on the air, it was probably 60, 70 stations without making a phone call. And God did it. And we have listeners on the radio, in radio stations all over America, large cities on the radio. You dial in on your car, you can listen to that 15 minute broadcast every day. In addition, it's on the internet. In addition, it's, it's on, on, uh, uh, on shortwave. I'm just talking about the fact that we have thousands upon tens of thousands of listeners that listen all the time. It took 31 years. May I tell you something? I prayed for that for 31 years. God, let me communicate with my people every day for 15 minutes. And God did it. The day Ronald Reagan was shot, God touched my body, and it's a thorn in the flesh. And I don't believe I've ever prayed more than three times that he would remove it, because he wants me to have that. Perhaps there's something in your life that you've got to let this thing go and say, God, this is your will. But perhaps there's something like a radio program for 31 years, you have to just keep on praying. If I had a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, I would never just let it go. I would pray, and I'd pray in the nighttime hours. I'd pray on the mountaintop. I'd pray by the seashore. I'd pray where all the illustrations of the Bible. I'd pray with the house of God, at the house of God, with the people of God. I'd pray by fasting. I'd pray by pouring my heart out to God because I would not want my son or daughters to be away from God for one day. There's nothing wrong with just, just keep on praying till light breaks through. Notice not only in that, that scripture, how about verse number 26? And the Bible says, she said, oh my Lord, as my soul liveth, my Lord, I'm a woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. Verse, she kept praying, verse 27, for this child I prayed. I prayed for this child. Chapter two, verse one, and Hannah prayed. America's a mess today. What if God would raise up in every home a Hannah like this, dear mother? Oh, God, may my children not inherit the mess that we're giving them. My parents' generation, that great generation of World War II, my parents' great generation did not give us a mess. My generation has given us a mess. My generation that said in the 60s, we want to have our hippie movement. We want to have our drug movement. We want to have our free love. We want to have marijuana. We want to live like we want to. We don't want rules. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. My generation has given to the children a mess. Just like Josiah inherited a mess from his father and grandfather. But he became a great king at age 16. 
What are you supposed to kiss, keep praying about? Hannah prayed. When she was wronged, when she was broken, she prayed, we give up too fast. I'll quit church. Well, I'm gonna quit my Sunday school class. I'm not happy. I'll quit my bus route. I'll quit serving God. I won't sing anymore. I'm not going to the choir. I'm not playing an instrument. I, I won't tithe anymore. I'm holding back. You're making exactly the decision Satan wants you to make. You don't do less when you're broken. You seek the Lord. You find God. You pour your heart out to him. Say, God, I can't eat. I just don't feel like eating. But I'll pray. I'll beg. There's some things I'm praying only God can do right now. Only God in my life, in our home, in our church, in this area. There's only certain things that only God can do. God has to do it. Because man cannot do it. Man cannot accomplish what needs to be accomplished. I want you to notice, not only did she pray, look what the Bible says in verse 24, she went to the house of God. And when she had weaned him, this child that God gave her, she took him up with her, with three bullocks, one ephod of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord. By the way, it's the same place in verse seven she was going when she didn't have a child. I've watched people faithful to God, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Pastor, will you pray that God would give us a child? We pray. And that child becomes the detriment for them attending the house of God. They're not here. There's always a problem. And I know we live in a sick day and all that, but friend, I tell you, I, 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 and I know every home is different. I understand that. I know I may have a heart attack today or a stroke today. Or who knows what I'm going to have? I know those things happen. I don't know people have children. I've buried little children with cancer. My heart aches. I know there's people, the man that just sang, they, his, his daughter, he and his wife went through the, those early preschool days with chemo and cancer and all that took place in their little life. Tell me there's not a storm. I just thought of that storm. Till the storm passes by. It was a perfect song for you. Just thought of that. We live in a day where it just seems like there's a sniffle or there's, we're getting sick all the time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Bible declares in the last days there'll be pestilence, there'll be diseases. Maybe that's what we're facing. But I also believe there's a casualness, honey. I believe there's a casualness toward the house of God that we, we just can't, we can make it to the party on Monday. We can make it Saturday night to the party. We can do the play thing. We can't do the God thing on Sunday. I don't understand that stuff. And I know there are situations that are all, I know all that. But you ought to pastor a church of thousands of people and watch all the inconsistencies of people. I'm thinking, why can't we get sold out to God? Well, I'm having a hard time. Yes, Hannah did too. She went to the house of God. You know what I see thirdly she did? In chapter one and chapter two, you can go back and mark it on your own. I found when she was broken, she prayed, 
I found when she was broken, she went to the house of God. I found when she was broken, she trusted the Lord. Do we know, some of you might know it, it's not a problem if you don't, Proverbs 3, 5. If you know that, would you recite it with me? Ready, begin. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. My job is to trust in God. The next verse is six is great, and he shall direct that path. That's God's part. My job is to trust. The Old Testament word trust is the New Testament word faith. They're the same words. And God wants me to have faith for, even Brother Martinez said today, it's all about faith. Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And the God, Brother Poussin said it this morning. And, 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 and God's word makes it very clear that he rewards, Hebrews eleven six 6, them that seek him by faith. You're seeking God by faith today. You're in God's house. God says, I reward faith. Believing in me. Faith is just believing that God is able. And here is a woman. She trusted God. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, I counted personally 41 times, and I'll give you some homework this afternoon. You might want to do it and tell me I missed one or two. I don't have a computer to do it that way, but I just personally underscored them in an orange color. And I kept seeing the word capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That in our King James Bible is a different word than small letter L, O, R, D, small letters. It's like the word God, capital G, small letter O, small letter D. That is different than capital G, capital O, capital D in our King James Bible. Uh, big letter G, small letter O, small letter D is the first verse of the first book of the Bible. In the beginning, God. God, that word is, and you know the word, is the word Elohim. It's a Hebrew word. And a Hebrew word, it meant plural. And plural in the Hebrew is not one or singular or dual like we have, because plural in English is two or more. But in Hebrew, it's three or more. And so when you see capital G, small letter O, small letter D, in the beginning, God, Elohim, three or more. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All were present at creation. But when you have capital God, capital G, capital O, capital D, or capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the word Jehovah. Jehovah's a wonderful word because he tells the children of Israel, tells Moses to tell the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 3, I am. I am. Whatever you need, Jehovah means whatever you need God to be in your life, I am that. Honey, I remember your dad preaching that so many years ago. Not what I just said, but I remember he said, Jehovah means whatever you need him to be, he can be it. Do you need help? He'll help you. You need comfort? He'll comfort you. You need strength? He'll comfort you. You need guidance? He'll give you guidance. That's why you have Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Salom or what different Jehovah because whatever you need, he is that. And here's a lady that 41 times mentioned the fact that he is Jehovah. He's still on the throne. 41 times in two chapters, all capitals. You know what? She believed that God was still able. If I had time, I, was, I knew I wouldn't get time. I was going to just pull up 
some high school girls and some of our college girls from our church here have about 30, 40 girls. I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. I wish I had time. One of these days, I'm going to throw that clock away. I try to finish at 12. It's three minutes after. I can't believe I'm just, let me, let me finish. I can trust him. Trust and obey. What else did she do? Let me close her down. She kept, she kept her word. Because she made a vow, verse 11, and said, Lord, if you give me this child, I'll give him back to the Lord. I'll give him back to Jehovah all the days of his life. Verse 27, 28, for this child I've prayed, and the Lord has given my petition, which I've asked. Therefore, I've lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. He's not mine. He doesn't belong to me. I would be very kind. We are in a moment in church work where parents, I think, by and large in this country are trying to talk their kids out of the ministry because they see that as the free pass to their retirement. I want my son and my daughter to have a good paying job. They may even have to take care of me. That's not even Bible. That's the cultures of the world. And now it's become America as we've so turned away from God. But the fathers lay up for the children, not the children. What do we do with our children? We raise them to release them. Let them go. And they have a task to make sure that God has their heart and they say, whatever you want, here am I. Lord sent me. In fact, you're going to start reading in 1 Samuel, you'll find that as Samuel began to serve God at the temple and mother was still back at home and he, as a child began to serve, Eli he went and interrupted Eli three different occasions on one night. He said, did you call for me? He goes, no, I never called for you, but here am I. And he kept saying, here am I. And Eli finally perceived that it was the Lord speaking to him. And he said, next time he comes, say, here am I, Lord. Speak for thy servant heareth. And he said, I I've got something to tell you. I've got something to tell you, Samuel. Samuel became a mighty man of God. May I say that she kept her word. I'm going to raise this child, but God, I want to be just a steward, one who manages the property, the valuables, the possessions of another. My children are not my children. They're your children. Jesus, they belong to you. I, I, I've been singing this week, knowing I'll be here. Have you knelt beside the rubble of an aching, breaking heart? This stanza just captures my heart, this, this phrase. When the things you gave your life to fell apart. You're not the first to be acquainted with sorrow, grief, and pain, but the master promises sunrise after rain. Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. Some of you dear folks that have that beautiful head of hair, men, or ladies that beautiful hair, When it turns loose, perhaps, men, or when it changes colors, that crowd in this church 
know something about broken dreams. You don't get old in life without having sorrow after sorrow after sorrow. But when you have sorrows, you don't run. These military men that are here, and ladies, men that face battle or are decorated today, they didn't run. A good soldier never runs. You face your battle. Today you have a broken heart. You're going to compound it with the decisions you make to do wrong. Do right. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.